Welcome to Roll With Adventure, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far-off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and, of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imaginations to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us and this podcast, please visit us at RollWithAdventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to Roll With Adventure. This session's campaign is of shadows and bliss. My name is Cass and I am the dungeon master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This session begins in the morning of Skalum, the 14th of Lyonnais, in the year 1083 PR, as our party enters the city of Dwemer Hollow through the Skagate. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. So, how dexterous or not have each of you been this past week? I'm going to take a plus two because yesterday I made gingerbread man cookies ginger man cookie ginger person cookies and i had put three chocolate chips on the front of them to be like buttons and then when they came out and they were hot and the chocolate was all melted i put little mini m&ms onto each of the melted chocolate chips to cement the mini m&m on there and i only got chocolate on my fingers once and i didn't burn myself at all and i feel very accomplished so plus two dexterity that's witchcraft. <laughs> it, I, it took longer than it should have, but I was, like, very careful. You should be burned at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't get burned, we should burn you. <laughs> I am just going to be neutral this week because, despite the fact that I worked with four tiny humans, I have just been chasing them around a lot, and nothing particularly exciting has happened to me. So I'm just going to take the L. I mean, technically you're taking the nil. I mean, yeah, but that doesn't sound as good. I thought it was pretty good. Your face is pretty good. Ooh. Complimentary zing. I guess that means it's to me. I'm the only person who hasn't talked yet. Earlier tonight, when uh, we finished dinner, we put everything away, and I was grabbing a handful of profiteroles, frozen profiteroles out of the freezer so I could eat them for dessert. I piled a bunch of them in my hands, and I have pretty big hands, but one of them fell. And I had other things in my hand, but I still managed to catch out of the air and not drop it on the floor. So I'm going to take a plus one because of my dessert prowess. So, what have you guys rolled? 13. 16 modified. 17. Hello, my name is Sasha, and I play Faileth, the half-elven bard who can speak to and was raised by ghosts. And my fun fact about Faileth this week is that she doesn't know any ghouls. I am Brian, at MindOverBrian on both Twitter and on Twitch. Although on Twitch, I spell it with a zero. And I am playing Melian Barebone, the changeling barbarian who 
usually seems to be a half-elven man with a red hair and with one red hair, a singular red hair. It just sticks right out of his head. No, it's a whole head of them. But a noticeable smile that runs from his cheek to his upper lip, uh, along his cheek from his upper lip and carves around to nick his right ear. And my fun fact is that Melian can use any weapon. He's proficient with almost all weapons and will use any of them, but except for pikes. He refuses to use a pike because that's how he died. Hi, I'm Allie, and I'm playing Cory Anakalathi Bostuk Bates, a Goliath paladin. Fun fact about Quarry is that they're always very serious. No, that's not the fun fact. <laughs> it's actually a fun fact about Quarry's relationship with Lars. Quarry is always very serious, and Lars's, Lars's levity was the perfect balance. Quarry's relationship with Lars was the longest and most serious relationship that Quarry has ever had. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure. The gates of Dwemer Hollow yawn wide behind you as the mid-morning sun illuminates your breath misting in the air. You have just entered Dwemer Hollow through its most eastern gate, the Skaw Gate. Stretching open before you is the thoroughfare of Eastmaker's March, while to your north is the more suburban and residential district of Skawgate. And to the south lies the twisting alleyways of Frost's Folly, where both the house on Sapphire Lane and that which Faileth can see hanging in the air, the ghostly vestige of the Fractal Tower, reside. Around you, the street is rather quiet as merchants begin to pull out their wares in the hopes of attracting customers. What would you like to do? At this time, Trent, Master Marsh, Anna, and Fulgra are all with you. I can see that we're all really gung-ho. We all have a very solid plan in place. <laughs> Definitely not hedging or bets here. I believe we have a report to make to Lord Buquet. Indeed. Uh, Master Marsh, Lady Anna, will you accompany us? No. I mean, whatever you want, it's completely up to you. Master Marsh looks at you and fixes you with his old, sort of, imperious gaze, then smiles. Well, I most certainly wouldn't feel very safe at the moment, and I do need to find out what's happened to my family, so the fact that... Preston sent you. I think I'll accompany you. Excellent. And you, lady? You see Anna and Fulgrim. They're, they've exchanged a few looks and they're quietly talking. And while they do, Trent sort of looks at you and goes, I could head back to the apothecary. You brought me to the city safe. Um, or I can go with you. And, uh, but uh, that, that sounds more dangerous, probably, knowing you. <laughs> Of course, Trent, I'm sure you're very eager to return to the shop. I believe I'm carrying a few of your things. Yeah, I, if, if I could have them back before head off, I head back, I, I'll make sure to tell uh, Mistress Gwyneth that 
you were instrumental in helping me. Yeah. Thank you, Trent. And Corey will dig in their bag to gather the things that they have been carrying for Trent. He'll take them, you see him put some into his own small sack and gets everything ready. And he's about to head off as Anna looks to your group and says, Fulgrim and I will we'll disperse ourselves into the city. I want to hear a bit more of how people are doing. See it with my own eyes. But I will be back. Well, I, I will ensure that I am at the afternoon session for the city council. So if you could present yourself to the city council uh, after, sometime between high noon and she looks over at Master Marsh. Council technically sits until dusk. If you could present yourself at some point between high noon and dusk, I would very greatly appreciate that. I, I will not... Oh, that doesn't give us a lot of time. I don't know... High noon and dusk, that's going to be a tall order. Hush. We will be there, Melody. She smiles at you, Melian, and will briefly put her hand out to yours and say, May he may watch over you and all of the triatrium. And also over you? Melian will say because he does not know what the appropriate response to that is. <laughs> Faileth sets a small fire. <laughs> Ooh, what type of stall do you set on fire? Or where are you setting it? No, it's not a it's not a conscious thing. She just accidentally pressed the digitate some fire. <laughs> is it just like in the air around you, or is it like a stall, a random passerby? Yeah, some lady's walking by her, the hem of her skirt just catches on fire. There's a few moments more as they say goodbye and as Trent starts heading one way and Anna and Fulgrim start to head off in another before you hear a little bit further down the street a woman scream and you hear, Fire! Fire! And if you turn and look, there is likely a merchant's wife. She looks a bit more well-to-do, but not nobility. And the hem of her skirt is blackened with little wisps of smoke coming up off of it. And there are a couple people around her that are batting at it with various whatever they were carrying. <laughs> oh, what could have done that? As you say, Melian, we should make our make haste to report to Buchanan. Indeed, there is a reward we have been promised. <laughs> and I can't quite recall the geography of this town. Is... Alan's on the way, or will it be on the way to the council chambers? Neither. As I recall, Alan's is on the edge of town. Hmm. Well, we shall have to try to make some time to stop in there, perhaps after we see Buchanan, depending what time it is. As you say, Paladin. So there are a couple different options of routes you can take. Ooh, what happened to the cart? You still have it. Still there? Okay. So there are a couple options of routes that you could take. If you want to be able to easily maneuver with the cart, you probably want to stay going along Eastmaker's March, which will take you all the way from the Skagate to the Central Plaza, and then you can take Moneylenders Road that goes down to the Nobles District. Or you can go to the south from where you are currently, which will take you down into Frost Folly, which would take you closer to, say, Allen's 
or the herbalists or the house on Sapphire Lane. But then you'd also have to go through the Dwarven Borough, Walden Gate, and then up into the Nobles District. I feel like the first option sounds better. But if you wanted to go to Allen's in between, it's not on the way, but it is closer for us to go there now than it is for us to come back here later. Okay. Although that's just Brian thinking and not <laughs> character. Well, now I'm like, we've already had an in-character discussion. Neither of us remember Alan's being on the way. You asked if it was on the way, and I said, <laughs> no, it's on the edge of town. Mm. Not, we I can't see. go there, because it isn't on the way to the place we're going. Well, in that case, perhaps. If we do make the time to go see Alan now, we can drop off the bones and that will give him more time to work on the weapons for us ah yes i had forgotten that that was the purpose of our trip to Alice. i'm all for the development of some newer weapons excellent then let's move in that direction and hopefully we will be able to get alan to start work on these weapons quite quickly agreed Faith, mm-hmm. do you have an opinion about our route um let's go that way and she points in some vague direction that has nothing to do with anything you guys were just talking about. That is into the Skullgate. Did you have some purpose we are unaware of? No. Just looks nice. A sweet shop, perhaps? Oh, is it that? Is that over there? I don't know. I mean, there are more than one sweet shop city, Faleth. Yeah, I don't care. Go wherever you want to go. Are you all right, Faleth? Yeah, obviously. Perhaps if we see a sweet shop, we should stop. I guess maybe if you want sweets. If Faleth is disinterested, then perhaps we will purchase some sweets to distribute among the other... The, the real children. The other children? The the other... Just two other children. Yeah, fine. But like, not specifically only to... Let us go. Do what you want. You'll angle the cart, and you'll go down one of the side streets. Down into the more cramped quarters of Frost's Folly, which makes up the southeastern corner of Dwemer Hollow. So as you make your way down into the southeastern district of Dwemer Hollow into Frost's Falling, twisting through these smaller streets, you will eventually find your way to a small cul-de-sac, around which are nestled modest homes. And in front of you is one modest single-story home. Above its front door hangs a small wrought-iron sign of an anvil. This small home in the enclosed courtyard that you know is behind it serve as both the storefront, home, and smithy of the half-elf smith named Alan. Indeed. Oh, is there somewhere to, like, hitch the horses? Sure. Let's say there's a water trough in the middle of the cul-de-sac for some reason. Maybe there's like a blacksmith that shoes horses or something, so there's a little horse amenity. We'll say you don't necessarily need to worry about it. Okay. Then unless anybody has objections, I think we should go in. Yeah, sure. Fine. You can flirt with him more. Oh, I beg your pardon? That's what we're doing now, right? That's what everyone's doing. Why not? Ah, uh, Faith, did you not want a bone weapon? No, I totally do. Bone weapon. Very cool. Into it. Uh, excellent. Good. Uh... Well, well, let us go in then. Okie dokie. Uh, Melian follows, but he's staring suspiciously at the back of Phelan's head. I guess Corey will enter first. You will enter into Alan's shop. It is, as you remember, quite functional 
It has the front area is more of a store with various items hanging from the walls and in cases. A small bar and then into his actual workshop behind. As you come in, the bell makes a small tinkling sound. And a few moments later, Alan comes out, wiping his hands on his apron in front. Hello, how can I... Oh, didn't know when you'd be back. Well, it took us some more time than we expected. I apologize for the delay. We have brought you some things. Cora will dig in their bag for the petals from the blood orchid. Uh, Cass, can you remind me, did we get the skull in which a skull flower grows? You did not pick one. Okay, good. And then Quarry will motion to Melian and say, you have the head. Ah, yes, of course. Melian will reach into his bag and unwrap it from all the leather that he had sort of racked it in. You'll put those down on the counter and Alan will, like, his eyes will go wide. He'll look at the dire stag bear's head and sort of, like, poke a bit around at the mouth and be like, something's wrong with this thing. Huh. That's, this is not what they normally look like, but these antlers will definitely still be useful. Excellent, yes, something strange seems to be happening in the forest. But we have other business with you, if you have some time. Of course, of course. We are hoping to have some weapons made. I know I mentioned one to you earlier, but this is something different. What kind of different? Well, we have some materials that we are hoping you can fashion into weapons of some kind for us. I'm not sure. Some, something su- suitable to each of us that, that each would be able to handle. And he'll raise an eyebrow. <laughs> Who's carrying the bones? Is it me? Oh, it's definitely not. Okay. I tried. I feel like we put them in my bag because they... It was bigger or something like that? No, you guys put it in your bag to make sure it didn't get mixed up with the other bones Faith was carrying. Oh, that's right. I wanted all bones. You would not give them to me. <laughs> We're so smart. Good work past party members. Current Ally wouldn't have thought of that. And Sakura will take the bones out of their bag and say, These were given to us, and we were told that there is a threat that faces Dwemer Hollow, that uh, we will need weapons made of these bones in order to deal the required amount of damage to protect the town. Alan will let out a low whistle as he looks them over. You see that he's sort of, that he's flicked his his glasses down as he's looking at them. These are they are oh most assuredly I haven't seen anything like this before well like I, I've seen a human's bones before that, that, that's not a strange request the, but these these are definite and you'll see him he sort of he points and he starts pointing out these tiny little like fractures it looks like fractures along the bones and as you look at them you sort of almost think that based off how all these fractures are, these bones should have fallen apart. Hmm. But they're not. And he says, if you look at these, not with your eyes, but with with some more magical intent, you, you can see that all of these little lines are actually, they're like, almost like 
dried veins. Hmm. They weren't pumping magic or blood. Something else. But I... I think I can... I think I can fashion something from them. When do you need them by? We are not quite sure when the threat will descend on Dwarmer Hollow, so it is hard to say, but sooner rather than later would be wise, I think. For each of you, what are your preference and weaponry? I like stabby things. Small daggers, okay. Anything that I can wield in one hand. Sword or an axe? One or two-handed, I'm not particular, as long as it will get the job done. Me carefully places some of the bones into a couple different bags. You see him, he begins sorting them, and he he looks at you and says, I can likely have a few daggers made up out of these, and maybe one of the larger weapons uh, by nightfall tonight. But the other one, likely, if you came back tomorrow, I could have all of them done. But if you need them quickly, I'll make sure that I'll make three daggers first. So that we've got something small, but useful. Before I move on to anything bigger. Thank you. Just come by, even if it's after dusk. Just, you know where to find me. Thank you very much, Helen. I, um, I'm not sure what such things cost, but I am sure we will find a way to repay you. Alan will point over at all the ingredients you've brought him. The antlers of the giant steak bear, the blood orchid petals, and he'll put a hand up towards you and say, No cost. You've helped me considerably bringing these in. And when all this is done, Swing by. I I have some ideas about that weapon you spoke about. Excellent. Thank you. I will make sure to do that. There is one more thing. Ask away. We intend to tell the council about the guards' weapons. And should they not believe us, I want to know whether we can count on you to corroborate our story or perhaps even provide a demonstration for them if they are foolish enough to wish one. Of course, though I should mention there was there there was a, a young man who came by not that long ago, within a couple of days. Uh, looked like a might have been one of the guard a guardsman off duty. He was asking questions about the weapons. So what kind of questions? He was mostly asking if they were cursed and such like that. He apparently had a really bad day at some point. Hmm. Interesting. He apparently had one of them break as well. Oh. A scuffle with what was inside, so don't be surprised if some... If the news is a bit more widespread. Of course, the guards haven't done anything to remove the weapons... And the council hasn't either, so they may be in some kind of gridlock. Interesting. Thank you for this information, Alan. And for your assistance. You be safe out there, Quarry. Thank you. You be safe as well. Until smile. Melian, Faileth, was there anything else that you 
needed with Alan, or shall we continue on to our next destination? With a nod to Alan, Melian says, I am, my business is concluded. Faleth? Oh, good. Excellent. Then Corey will nod to Alan and lead the way up the shop. You see that as you head on out, that Alan actually comes up to the door and he locks it and he basically, like, he shuts his shop down. So he's, seems like he's going to just work on what you've given him. And uh, so nice. Hopefully this Frost King person, whatever his name was, doesn't attack us before we can save the children. That would be unfortunate. It really would. I feel like there are so many things that keep popping up to delay us. I wouldn't be surprised. Shall we continue on to Buchanan's? Yeah, why not? Indeed. Cass, you'll let us know if there's a sweet shop along the way? Oh, most assuredly. If you want to, you can make sure that you head past the one that is right across from or right nearby the house on Sapphire Lane. Yeah, if it's on the way, then sure. Most assuredly. You can get sweets of any kind that you want, or most kinds, and muffins. Well, I know that Phelip is not interested, so, Quarry, would you like me to purchase you a muffin? Ah, uh, yes, thank you. I would greatly appreciate that. Excellent. Phelip, I presume that your disdain for muffins remains intact? I mean, I don't not like muffin. But it was very confusing then when we asked if you would like to stop at a sweet shop and you said no. Didn't say no. I just didn't express a great deal of enthusiasm. So you do want a muffin? I didn't say that either. Well, I would hope that you would make your mind up shortly as I am about to enter the muffin store. Yeah, get me a muffin. Do you have a preference or shall I just get you bran? No, I want blueberry. <laughs> and Melly will duck in and buy three blueberry muffins because apparently he doesn't care what Corey wants. <laughs> That's fine. Quarren only wanted to make the stop to improve Phaelus' mood. Uh, and then once he has the motion, he'll come back out and offer one to Phaelus and then one to Quarry. She snatches it and then mutters, thank you. You are quite welcome. Thank you, Melian. This is delicious. Indeed, I am finding that now that I look at it, I am not particularly interested in this blueberry muffin. Phaelus, would you perhaps dispose of it for me? Maybe. I take the second muffin and just hold it. <laughs> <laughs> Please dispose of it in whatever manner you feel would be appropriate. And put it in my pocket. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Tiny pig, I did not forget about you. And Melian pulls some wheatgrass out of the bag that he also got from the muffin guy. And, like, sprinkles the wheatgrass on the ground for the vegetable pig to eat. Aww. <laughs> a boy vest. Little Vessel just goes hog wild <laughs> eating this wheatgrass. And then they look up at you, this look of adoration. <laughs> yes, yes. Turn your shiny gaze upon the fellow. And, and Melian jams his hands into his, I guess, pockets? And then looks, you know, vaguely uncomfortable at the attention. Fela <laughs> picks Vess up and gives him all scratches. He is super happy for little scritches, just relaxes into you, and very quickly starts to snort softly. She looks not exactly happy, but definitely not as cranky. He probably nuzzles into you a little bit more. He's definitely trying to, to stop you from feeling sad. That's my boy, girl, pig. 
<laughs> Just think, Phyllis. Soon we'll be done with this wagon. Oh, that'll be great. We can walk again like people are supposed to. With that, you guys will be heading on your way. Master Marsh is still sitting in the back of your wagon going, I didn't get a muffin. <laughs> but then they did save me, but I didn't get a muffin. Faileth sneakily hands him her muffin. <laughs> Second muffin. He's a grown person. He could have gone to the store himself or said something before now. I forgot he was there. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me three. He will gladly take the muffin and nibble away at it. He'll make light, small talk as you guys head out of Frost Folly. So you guys keep heading west through Frost Folly and then across into the Dwarven Burrow. You head into its darker streets as these, as the buildings are all built on top of each other in such a way that it actually creates the streets instead become more tunnels going through things such that light doesn't come down but light is instead provided by small glowing crystals you make your way through passing through the uh, stone harlots square past the church of morgan and down until you eventually come out into Waldengate. And you move throughout Waldengate, passing close by Bolkabath's home. Is he out there? Uh, would you like to look around? Yeah, I'd probably probably peek around if I was there. Give me a perception check. That is an 11 on the dice. That's uh, so a 13. Looking about, you note that the statues of Mulgabeth are in much better repair, and that the house appears to have been put more in order, and there seems to be more care going around. And as you look about, you you don't see Mulgabeth, but you do you get this almost distinct feeling that things are better. That's good. That he's doing well. They're yeah, there isn't that same sort of sense of decay that was going on as the spirit, as the guardian spirit was breaking apart. Seems like he's being much, he's held together much more. And the fact that you've made, that you've promised to return Roldal likely means that they have more hope. You'll continue across Walden Gate until you eventually come to the bridge that crosses into the Nobles District. And from there, you can flip down and across over to the gates of the Buchanan Estate. Two guards in the livery as the Buchanans stand at the gate. Good afternoon. We have business with Lord Buchanan. Oh, good morning. It's morning? I don't remember. <laughs> the guards look at you, slightly confused. No, sh- and then Shigard on the right sheepishly laughs. <laughs> I get caught up in it too. Don't worry about it. Uh, and who might you be? Uh, Corey, Melian, and Phalus. And should we... And as if he's about to say, and should we know you, there is the sound of Gerard's voice from the other side of the gate. It says, 
Open the gates. Thank you. And you see the gates, they slowly open, and Gerard is walking towards you. And he greets you. I am so glad to see that you have returned. I don't remember what his accent was at all. <laughs> That's fine. It's been a while. <laughs> we are very pleased to have returned. Is Lord Buchanan at home? He at the moment is not, but the Lady Alicia is. He has already got an early session in the council chamber. Ah, then we shall have to catch him later in the day, but we do have some business here at the house. Please, come this way. Thank you. And he will motion you. You'll bring your creaking cart all the way in. The Lady Alicia will be waiting for you on the steps of the Buchanan Manor. She looks anxious, relieved, and still exceedingly sad when she sees that you don't have Hector with you. Lady Alicia, it's a pleasure to see you. You've been gone quite some time. Preston and I worried, but I'm sure that you have a great deal to tell us. It's been a freaking doozy. She will smile, look at you, Faileth, and go, Have you grown a bit? I know, probably. <laughs> she'll sort of look and she'll fret a little bit around you, Faileth. Yes, I think you have maybe grown a bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, I'm wicked tall. She tugs at your sleeves a little bit. It's just a bit too short for you now. You know, if you did want to look like a proper young woman, I do have some older clothes that I have that I could give you. And what? Okay, define proper young woman. Elegant. Dazzling. Nope. <laughs> and then she laughs. On the other hand, I do think that we might also have some more serviceable clothes for when out in the garden. <laughs> she motions for you to sort of like lift your arms up and you're able to lift your arms up a considerable amount of the way, but then they sort of the cloth bunches and strains a bit. Yeah. These are the best fitting clothes I've ever had. <laughs> well, look how much of me they cover. Look how few holes are in them. Look how they're not made of leaves and and uh, bark. I'm living high. Melia looks really embarrassed that that's the state at which Fela thinks this is like the norm. This is not the norm. This is like best case scenario. I mean, the the, the, the leaves and bark clothes are the yeah that's normal clothes or what she thinks is standard i'm doing great million's got what like one hand on his face just like rubbing his eyes like oh god lady alicia will smile she'll say something to one of the maids and they'll run off into the house and she'll go please come in i'm sure we have much to talk about and then as you're heading in she'll quietly she'll say to melian all have some clothes set aside so that when you go, you can take them with. She will appreciate that. But I'm sure she'll appreciate it more if they come from Perhaps. And she'll smile, and then she'll sweep in, and you'll come to that familiar sitting room that you once sat in. Various paintings of family members around it. A hearth burning away. Please, I... Gerard said that you had some business here, even though my husband's not. 
hopefully we can go about and get that completed while you can tell me just a little bit of what you've learned or what's happened. I I seem to recall that there was a fourth member of your group. What happened to uh, the young man? Uh, Jovan. That was it, wasn't it? Yes. Jovan. Unfortunately, he was injured while protecting the town of Ferramans. He's not... He's still alive, but unresponsive. Oh. We hope a speedy recovery for him. I see. I'm very sorry to hear that. You all have my condolences. Thank you. If there's anything that can be done, please, please don't hesitate to call on me. Thank you. We appreciate it. Um, will you be attending the council meeting later today? I had not intended to go, but if you, if, if you would like me to, I most assuredly will. Well, we are short on time, and we will be giving a full account of our, the information that we have learned at the council meeting. Ah, understandable. Please, what, what business do you have here other than that with myself and my husband? While we were in Fairman's, we obtained a letter from a certain A.B., Though we do not know who he is, he is the one who brought us together. Quite a motion to Melian and Faleth. And the letter led us to believe that we would find some information that we need here in your home. Uh, Melian fishes the letter out of his bag, unfolds it, it's kind of crumpled. Um, he didn't bring a camera. And he says, um, indeed. The letter indicates that there will be information awaiting us here in Dormer Hollow in the family record of one who offered us employment, which we believe to be Lord Buchanan, sometime in the year 939PR, or at least the records of that time. Hmm. Gerard? Yes, Lady Alicia. The year 939 PR, when? Hmm. What's going on there? Can you bring out Alistair's? Alistair's effects. That was the year he went missing, wasn't it? I do believe so. I will be able to fume more. And after he inspects your letter to note down what the signature and such looks like, he'll head off. He'll also look at the letter just to see if there's any other notifying insignias on it. And he'll go off. While he's looking, uh, Lady Alicia assures you it shouldn't be but a few minutes for him to do that. Is there anything else you'd like to talk with her about? You've been very patient, and I think uh, though you will learn more if you attend the council meeting this afternoon, we should at least tell you that we have learned little more about the children, but we still believe them to be alive. Truly. What did you learn? How did you learn this? Well, you know, Jovan was very good with 
the arcane and he was able to use some kind of pool for seeing and he saw some children i don't believe that he saw hector but if some of the children are alive then it is possible that all of them are she'll put her hand over her heart and she'll close her eyes and quietly say a few words in prayer and then when she opens them she looks at you and says thank you A few moments later, the maybe moments stretch to minutes, the door will open and Gerard will come in. And rather than holding a box of effects or anything like that, he is holding a single letter in hand. A letter that on its front simply has the names Melian Fela Kuari. Oh, that's convenient. Wish he'd mentioned something that would have helped us protect Yovan. But suppose we cannot have everything. I do believe that this might be what you are looking for. Uh, Melian, perhaps you'd like to, uh, read it aloud that we all may hear. Are you certain, Felt? Oh, uh... I'll read it. <clears throat> Letters on a paper in an order that maybe mean something. I can't read. I'm just joking. I wondered how you thought you were going to be able to read. Well, if you are certain, Valden, then I will read it. And Melian grabs a letter and unfolds it? Breaks the seal? I don't know. Does the thing that you do with letters. Not treating the letter particularly uh, gently, just like uh, Melian, Quarry, and Shalith. I'm delighted to know that you have returned to Dwemer Hollow and have obtained my letter. You stand at a crossroads of decision. Thank you. Thank you for that, ancient one. Three seats, no, three threats stand before you. One that is a threat to innocence. One that is a seat. Darn, threat. I, sorry, his handwriting is somewhat difficult to make out. <laughs> One that is a threat to law, though both are linked by a third, an enemy I failed to defeat. Of the threat to innocence, gather the remaining pieces, seek out the knowledge of those who in young years did plumb the tunnels, and look to what lies buried. The time of their ritual is at hand, but it is simply the beginning. A piece in a greater game I cannot foresee. Of the threats to law, the trail goes... Goes? Gr grows. The trail grows cold. Seek out those within Dwemer Hollow who sow descent. Oh, so, so descent. Who pave the way for its destruction. Reveal the serpents among them. Remove them from the ranks and perhaps the city shall not fall. Of the enemy I failed to defeat, it manipulates the others. It is an ancient creature, older than I, though I dealt it a blow. Look to the old tales, the legends, and to the plates it stole my greatest friend from me. Find its weakness, and you will surely find its lair. 
seek me out. Walk in my footsteps, and perhaps mutual salvation will be at hand. Signed, A.B. Hmm. That's not cryptic at all. Lydia, Leisha, is there anything you can tell us about this A.B.? Alistair Buchanan. Alistair Buchanan was a great diviner. He was born many, many years ago. Back when Tormor Hollow, some 150 years ago, back then Dwemer Hollow was much smaller. It was about the size of Old Town, surrounded instead by various estates, some those that still stand in the noble district. He was said to have had the gift of foresight. That he knew when things would occur, and that to an extent he could manipulate it. The local legends surrounding the Snow Beast actually are a reference to him. To a battle. One in which he defeated a beast of ice and snow. One that was said to masquerade as people. He, along with his companions, a dwarf and I think a half-elf. I'm sorry, but I don't have their names. Tracked the creature down as it attempted to spin a plot to destroy the city. It said that they defeated it, and bards sung praises and tales, but that he always said that it wasn't really done. He spent years continuing to research it, to attempt to learn more about it, where it had come from. And, as he did, he secluded himself from the world more and more, until it is said that he simply disappeared. Well, it seems that we continue to uncover more questions with our questions. We shall need to learn more about this, the legend of this snow beast, and perhaps more about him if we are to walk in his footsteps. I think of more immediate concern are these remaining pieces of the threat to innocence, which almost certainly refers to the children. Indeed, yes, I completely agree with you. I wonder if perhaps... And Cora kind of looks at Lady Alicia. There's someone who could do some research for us while we deal with these other more pressing matters. I am not a great reader. I think, once again, that you do not give yourself enough credit, Val. Thank you, friend. Gerard, please have Alistair's effects brought up, including his diaries. I... She looks at you. I will see what I can find. Anything that I think is useful, I will try to get to you as quickly as possible. My lady, you do us a great service. You do me a great service. Please, 
just bring Hector home. That's all I ask. We shall do our utmost to bring all of the children home. Indeed. But as always, there is much to be done. Perhaps we should be on our way. Of course. I will be here, and I will be sure to get word to you as soon as I can. Thank you. I will ask my husband what you say, the council, to make sure that I also know what's going on there. But thank you. Thank you. May the Triatrian watch over you. May the light of souls shine upon us all and guard our way. And also with you. She'll incline her head. As you head out, a maid quietly hands an extra bag to you, Melian. An extra shoulder bag. Mm. That is filled with various clothes. Hopefully, Faileth will like something in there. And you guys can head on your way. Is there anything you want to say to any of the servants before you go? Or would you like to just go on your way? I don't think I... I don't think Corey has anything else to say. Uh, Melian didn't eat a muffin, so he's going to try and signal a maid to, like, give him some food. (laughs) A maid will gladly grab something for you. As the maid is giving you the bag, you ask her, and she quickly runs off and comes back with another small bag. And when you unwrap it, there's an apple in it, a little bit of flatbread, and a small wedge of cheese. You're just getting out to nearby where your cart is and the horses are right outside of the Buchanan estate. Uh, Master Marsh has been taking care of them, making sure they everything stayed fine for you guys while you were in there. What would you like to do? Sorry, you said Gerard is with us? Gerard is nearby. Gerard, I hate to impose, but would it be possible for us to leave the horse and the wagons with you? Of course you may. Thank you very much. Uh, Melian Faleth, is there anything you need from the horses or the cart? Never. (laughs) (laughs) Retrieve Vessel, of course. Vessel never leaves my side. Vessel snorts right after Faleth had said that that she didn't need anything from the cart was sort of like, darn right. (laughs) He trots a little bit around, trotting around Faleth, making just circles, and then rubbing against her. Damn right. Come on, Vess. We get to walk. Guess what time of the day is it? It's still morning. It's probably about an hour until midday. I have a letter that I must urgently send at the Temple of Soul. I don't know if you would like to accompany me or if you would prefer to meet at the council chamber. Nope. Faileth, is there something else, some other business you would like to attend to? No, I just don't want to go to church. Perhaps if we went with Quarry to nearby the church. Yeah, okay. That allowed her to conduct her business inside. That's fine. I just don't want to get judged today. Uh, the graveyard is near there, right? Yes, it is. Well, the graveyard is nearby. Perhaps I could uh, meet you there when I'm when my business is concluded. Yeah, okay, that sounds fun. Melian shoots Quarry the most betrayed look. Like, what have you done to me? Oh! Uh, but Faileth's positive reaction, <laughs> Melian once again jams his hands into his pockets? 
and then like looks really defeated like oh Corey kind of shrugs at Melian like holy she's happier now maybe Brian every time you say pockets with a question mark at the end he's got his cloak like he's got a like a big baggy cloak tied around his waist so it's got like pockets in it but they're not really pockets it's the same as if you like put folds in a cloak so there's these enormous ba- like bags essentially that that poke from his wrist but he had there's little spaces that he can tuck stuff into and pull them out of so he just keeps putting his hands in there but I, I, the, I think what amuses me about it is the image of somebody doing what, what such a 20th century like oh slouch but into these giant oversized <laughs> pockets which is why I keep saying it that way that's adorable alright quick quick detour to the Temple Row, is it called? Pantheon Row. Pantheon Row. Dang, I was close. So your guys are going to head up towards Pantheon Row. To get to Pantheon Row, you're going to first have to choose. Are you going to go back across the same bridge you came over and go up through Old Town? Or are you going to go across to the across the other bridge out of the Nobles District into Westgate and then up to... What is the fastest walking route? Are you going to ask someone? Because unfortunately... Let's ask the guards on the way out the gate. I think you should go up through Old Town up to Pantheon Row. It's quite easy to get there. You just need to go across Moneylenders. John, what you saying? No, you don't do that. You should go across to Westgate, then just go straight up past the caravan's crucible, and then straight across you'll get there much faster no no i don't think that's right if you go through caravan's cross it's much it's, it's quite busy this time of day you're not going to get through oh no 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 and they just start arguing back and forth uh th- thank you both for the assistance uh cory's just kind of kind of wonder uh master marsh did you have any recommendation I built my house outside the city and far away from my orchard, so I wouldn't have to deal with it. That's why I sent my sons to work here. Uh, well, let's uh, perhaps just take the route that avoids the spot that fellow mentioned would be busy this time of day. suppose that's the best we can do. With that, then you guys will head back out and across Moneylender's Bridge and up through Old Town, twisting through the old streets and buildings... Much of Old Town is the original Dwemer Hollow, as the Lady Alicia had referenced. And you can see that the architecture here is a bit of a different style, built with mostly different materials. Built very close together and almost on top of each other, as if there hadn't been really any planning in this district. Whereas the other districts, there's a considerable amount of planning in how they are laid out and built. And you'll eventually make your way through, and you will come up to the entrance to Pantheon Row. Now, Pantheon Row, it goes, there's two options. It goes left and right, or north, which is the route you should go if you want to go to the Solarium. (laughs) Or you can go west-northwest, which will take you along the other set of temples. And... If you instead go straight or you go up either way and then cross the canal over the bridges, 
you will go into Remembrance Square, the very large cemetery for Dwemer Hollow. I don't think that I will be long. I just have a quick letter to send. Apparently we will meet you in the graveyard then. Let's go meet some interesting spirit. <laughs> Boring will quickly step into the temple, send their letter. Okay. So we're going to do this in two different sections. Would we like to start with Melian and Faileth or start with Quarry? Let's get Quarry's letter sending out of the way. Yes, because I don't know that we're doing anything of important. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, neither is... I mean, what Quarry's doing is important, but not super exciting to listen to. So you know, coming up to the solarium, it's gleaming walls that you can either go into the temple, which means you'll have to cross past the altar, but you likely will be able to find, say, the deacon or some of the priests there, or you can go around the side and into the inner courtyard where the dormitories are. I guess I will go try to see the deacon because I don't know anybody here to kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, do a thing for me. So you will head on up, moving up through the steps as people go in and out of the temple, and you will enter into the main area. Around you, it is bright. It is illuminated almost as if there weren't walls, based off on how mirrors have been placed and the amount of candles that are lit even during the day inside here. You can see a couple different uh, priests and initiates moving about. You don't see the deacon immediately uh, in your survey. What would you like to do? I will look about for the equivalent of, like, the employee's door <laughs> to slip into the back. You can make your way over. You can find it. And you can slip into the back. You'll slip out into a larger, walled courtyard that has multiple buildings that you know will be dormitories and storehouses for the various initiates and priests. If I don't see the deacon, I'll stop the first uh, person that I come across. You don't see the deacon as you look about. You see a couple nice trees growing, a small pond, and you can see the Solarian messaging system. You can see the intricate dais or pedestal that has been carved and gilded. And because it is nearing, it's about, you've got maybe about three quarters of an hour, maybe about half an hour before midday, you can see the messenger, the solar messenger, is already at work prepping things. Is that the only person I see? I don't want to entrapped the person doing the, uh, the sending the Solarian messages because that's very serious business. So I'll stop like literally the first person that I come across. Roll me a d4. Oh, that's not the door that I think. Okay. Three. You will promptly as you're making your way turn and there are three initiates all carrying things mm -hmm. that get exceedingly startled by you <gasps> so they didn't expect to see you and they drop 
everything they were carrying and fall back. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, we're, we're, we're so sorry. We're, oh, oh, no, oh, oh. I, I beg your pardon. I did not mean to startle you. Uh, Quarry will help them start to pick up their things. They will not make eye contact with you as they're grabbing everything. The first one that gets all their stuff together sort of quickly gives you a small little bow and then just, uh, I, I apologize. May, may souls light be with you. And then we'll dart off. Oh, before the next person can escape, Quarry's going to say, please, can you point me in the direction of a scribe? I require one urgently. Uh, um, uh. This young man who is shaking will glance at the other initiate, who is a young woman, and will say, Sister Lydia's uh, lettering is, is quite passable, and he will dart off. Are you, Sister Lydia, Cora asks, the last poor person who's here? She will raise her head and look at, look you in the eye and then give you a curt nod. Yes. How may I be of s service? I need to dictate a letter that must be sent to, to the Bishop of Adnan as soon as possible. Of course. Uh, is this being sent by foot or by horse or... Is this being sent by... Oh, we must use the Solarian messaging system. The message must reach the bishop without any delay. Oh, oh okay. Uh, and she will, without rushing so much that she fumbles or such, she you will sit down nearby and she will... She already has some of her writing materials with her and will write it for you. Before we get started, Quarry's going to say, Have I done something to upset you? You and your companions seemed quite agitated. Um, uh, no, no but, um, your... Oh, oh, you're not them. Corey kind of breathes a sigh. No, I am not. The Protector of Dusk, at your service. We heard a rumor that there was an Inquisitor in town. And so... Truly. Your entrance startled me. Startled us. I see. I understand. Well, this letter... Uh, Yes. And she will begin to write. Can you roll me a d20 uh, to see if your letter will be done before the system, the messaging system, is activated? Oh my gosh, how stressful. It's an 11. Sasha, can you roll me a d20? Good roll, good roll, good roll. Ah, uh, 18. You, you will succeed. Oh, thank goodness. Just... Barely. It is moments before he's about to start casting his spell for intoning the prayer uh, that will transform these letters and these words into sunlight. Oof. That you get it to him, and he looks startled, 
He looks a bit disgruntled that this hasn't gone through proper channels, <laughs> but he will send it when he sees that this is for the Bishop of Adenon, and he recognizes that it is of great importance. Excellent. And then he will begin to intone the ancient prayer, and you will see the paper that has been beaten with gold and silver begin to shimmer and will then ignite. And it doesn't burn so much as it seems to almost just transcend and become light and fire that will flare brightly and then flash into the sky. Cool. And as you know, this message is lost for the next 24 hours. It will arrive at high noon at the location that the seal placed upon it designates. So, as of high noon tomorrow, it should arrive with the Bishop of Adenon. Any response to it likely will come either the next day or within the few days after. Okay, thank you. And with that, you can head back out, unless you'd like to ask any questions. I think I'd just ask the novice who helped whether she knows anything more about the Inquisitor who's supposed to be in town. I think I heard that his name might be Moldavius. Not. I, I, I'm quite sorry. Sorry I can't be of more help. Quite all right. You've been very, very helpful. Thank you. May the light of soul shine upon you. And may his light illuminate all steps upon your path. Thank you. And you can head off from the Temple of Soul. As you begin to go looking for Million and Faileth, let's find out what they've been up to. Can I have D20s from both of you? Or going to roll crappy now that it's for me. Eleven. <laughs> That's what I rolled last time. Thank you so much for helping my letter get where it needs to go. Oh, of course. A ten. To be fair, because Sasha rolled d20 for you, why don't you roll a d20 for them? <laughs> a fifteen. Faileth, there are a couple different ghosts about. You see that same kid, the ghost of the kid that you met in the very first session of the game. You see him playing with some of the birds, pushing them about. Uh, you see him try to push one of the speakers of Adrestia off the bridge, like he said he sometimes does. He's unsuccessful. But then you also see a couple different... various ghosts scattered around throughout the... throughout the graveyard. Throughout the... throughout Remembrance Square, as it's called. To describe Remembrance Square, because I think this is the first time the listeners have been in it. Remembrance Square, first off, if we expand outwards to include Pantheon Row, high walls and deep canals surround most of the districts of Dwemer Hollow. And especially the district of Remembrance Square which is home to the dead and those that watch over them. Remembrance Square is dominated by a large plot of green space dotted with trees, gravestones, mausoleums, and crypts, encircled by three 
layers of defense. First are the most visible layers. These are the two streets known as Pantheon Row. This is a layer of defense because it is home to the churches and shrines of the deities of the Triadrian Pantheon. Here one can find not just stuffy churches, but vibrant chapter houses, small shrines, and taverns or inns run by the various churches. The second layer, defense around the dead, is the largest canal in Dwemer Hollow, dividing the resting places of the dead from the rest of the city and connecting it with two bridges, strategically placed across from Ashen's Vigil and the Solaria, the local chapters of Ashen and Soul's Worship. And the third and final defense around Remembrance Square is what is called the Veil Wall, a large stone wall that encircles Remembrance Square, incorporated into the exterior wall of Dwemer Hollow to make sure that this portion of the city is closed off that if any kind of threat that could animate the dead did get into it, that it could easily be sealed and then taken care of. On the other side of this bridge, as you pass through it and through the gates in, in the Vale Wall, two statues of ashen on either side, you are presented with a sprawling green space. Trees, rose bushes, fountains, all dot between and across various small paths, lanes, thoroughfares even, amongst crypts and mausoleums, tombstones, markers, and all manner of grave. And as you wander about, there's every once in a while that you can see ghosts, some too old to really be of any coherent use, others that babble on of only the recent dead. But as you are wandering, you eventually come to a small square that is surrounded by rose bushes. And at the end of it, there is a single mausoleum, but in front of it is a large plaque that faileth you can't really read, but Melian, you can, and if you are reading them as you pass, if you're not, don't worry about it. This does say, for the heroes that fell in the year 939. Some reason that number rings a bell. Does nine thirty nine mean anything to you, Melian? How do you? Where did you see the number nine thirty nine? On that plaque over there. You can read numbers, but not letters. Yeah. What an odd childhood you must have had. I'm complex. I spent uh, spent some time with a arithmancer. I have not heard of such a mage. That's math magic. What is this math you speak of? I don't know, but he was really into it. Hmm. He taught me my numbers. Although now that you mention it, the number 939 does sound familiar. Where have we recently set numbers from? Uh, I don't listen. Perhaps it was the address of the muffin shop. Oh yeah, probably. 
Can you read it, Malian? Uh, indeed, it says, uh, dedicated to the fallen heroes, those who lost their lives in the year 939. Oh, the year 939. That is the year that we were told to seek out in the records of the Lord Buchanan. Oh, I remember hearing something about records and some sort of lord. So, uh, yeah, that all checks out. Faith, were you not paying attention? When am I ever paying attention? Do we dig up the grave? We're not going to dig up the grave. That is immeasurably disrespectful. But the, how are we going to get a secret? Can you not summon a ghost from... I mean, yeah, but it's not nearly as fun. Fine. Uh, I wander over to the grave and kind of poke at it and go, Hello? Are any of you in there? Are you home? It's a, like, a plaque that's in front of a mausoleum. Oh, I thought for... I don't know why... I know, I heard you say mausoleum. So would you like to go into it? Yep. So you head down into it, and inside it, you will find that there are only two sarcophagi in here. One has a female human or half-elf that is etched on it, and the lettering for the name reads Tira Shadowvale. But you do note that she is holding a holy symbol of soul in her hands. Ugh. And the other appears to be a dwarf who, in the top of the sarcophagi, is holding a large hammer, and his name is Vargas Firebreaker. Okay, I like him. He's the one. He's the one what? I don't know, but he's the one. I will trust your instinct then. I'm gonna dig him up. What? No. No, no, Faileth, we are not digging anyone up. Oh, fine. He, uh, Fargus? Are you he? Hello? Would you like to give me a performance check? I would love to. That is a 17 on the dice, plus 8. That is a 26. So what are you going to say? Hey, Fargus. I'm looking for something, I think. Maybe you've got, you've got treasure for me. <sighs> or like a secret riddle? What are we even looking for, Melian? We we aren't a distraction. We are searching for a distraction. Thought we were looking for like a thing. No, we are simply here to kill the time while we wait for the pal finish at church. But you told me that this was an important thing about the letters that we got from the guy. You asked me whether the number reminded me of anything to which I told you it reminded me of the letter that we had received from Alistair Buchanan. But the years are the same. It is likely simply a coincidence. As Melian says the name Alistair Buchanan, the temperature in the room plummets. Got nippy in here. Your breath begins to mist in the air. And... <gasps> Ooh, ghost coming... There is a creaking sound 
as a very decayed looking ghost of a dwarf who was where once was wearing full plate sort of creaks and lumbers until he's sitting up half on halfway out of the sarcophagus i told you he was the one blimey can't you keep it down no oh just trying to sleep well you've been asleep for quite a long while would be my guess but why would our talking wake you up did he send you? Who, Melian? No. He's just trying to distract me so I don't do something dumb while we wait for quarry. Who's Melian? Him? Who are you talking about? That old fox. Alistair. No, I don't know him. Cass, can I hear both sides of this conversation or only the one? You can hear both. To be honest, you can even see him. Melian looks horrified, suitably. Famous, I believe. Alistair Buchanan is the... The patron from whom we received our letters. Oh! Oh, did we find out who sent the letters? Well, that's nice. They tell us why. When did we meet him? I don't remember that. No, he had... No, he was... He sent them from the past. What? He used divination magic. Payleth, have you not been paying attention to anything we've spoken of? No! I was under the distinct impression that sometimes you paid attention to the important parts. I paid attention to the bones parts when we were at Alvin's. Did you just say Alvin? That's not even the man's name. Alvin's earlier. That's the bloke that Quarry's got a crush on. Oh, Faileth, tell the ghost that we are here at the behest of Alistair Buchanan. I think he can hear you. <laughs> as soon as she says that, Mally looks absolutely stricken, like... <gasps> and then he puts his hand in Laura's mouth. The ghost of Bargus sort of raises an eyebrow, and as he does, a portion of his eyebrow falls off, and you see him catch it. He tries to sort of put it back on. Huh. So you're not a normal ghost then, are you? You've got, like, a physical form and stuff. That's weird. He sort of puts out his hand. It's not very physical. It's sort of physical, but not very. Now, I can only guess that he isn't dead. Who, Melian? Medivid. Medivid? The girl actually asks an excellent question. Who's that? So you know the name Alistair Buchanan? No. Yes. But you don't know Medivid. Medivid Crowley. Yes. No. So you do know? No? No. We have been provided precious little by way of information. Well. Then let me tell you a tale. And for the next half an hour or so, he will begin to tell you a tale. Should I roll to see if Fela fall asleep? Sure. <laughs> I got a nine. Oh. I don't think that, uh, I don't know. I'm going to roll a d20 to set the DC. <laughs> Ooh, I rolled a five. You will remember. <laughs> Yay, I, I stay awake. <laughs> Hooray. You'll stay awake. If you actually remember, I don't know. I mean, that is the real question, isn't it? 
I'll remember something, probably. It'll just be what, uh, what version of events has Philip decided is the truth. The tale that Vargas will spin began in the year 930 PR. It began before he was involved. It began with a young wizard. A wizard by the name of Medivid Crowley, of the prominent Crowley family, which had at one point been the ruling family over Dwemer Hollow. Young Medivid Crowley had always been... How to put this? A sniveling, whiny, power-hungry... Bastard. But he'd always have your back. But Medivid Crowley had... Become entranced by the local legends of the Fractal Tower. A tower which he eventually was able to gain entrance to. A tower that at that time... Was... A physical tower. A tower that you could see and touch. Everyone knew exactly where it was, but it was always sealed. Until the day he was able to get in. He disappeared. In the year 933. PR. Because inside the fractal tower, he found far more than just power. He found a monster. A creature that Vargas refers to as the Frost King. An entity far older than even he. Far older than even the tower itself, allegedly. In the beginning, this creature had been Medivid's servant. But as all creatures of great power that are bound... What work it did for Crowley, for Medivid, simply gave it a greater hold upon him, until eventually he subsumed Medivid, possessed him body and soul, and became the incarnation that has survived to this day as the Frost King. It was the year 934 when Alistair Buchanan, Tira, and Vargas had returned from a hunt in the northern reaches. They had heard rumors that a dragon had actually appeared. A creature such legend. Creatures that not been seen for thousands of years, legends say, possibly hunted to extinction by the Eltharans. They, of course, had not found a dragon, they had instead only found a Linorm. Still, quite intelligent, draconic, very powerful, very dangerous. They had brokered a peace with it, rather than destroying it, and it had gone back to its lair. 
but upon returning to Dwemer Hollow, they had found that Alistair's longtime friend, Medivid, had vanished. And enchanted weapons were being stolen across the city. At that time, Alistair's brother, who sat on the city council, had asked Alistair to look into it as returning hero. It would be quite good for their public relations and for his image. Alistair, always wishing to help his family, was quite quick to accept. And so they had investigated across the city. First, through some unsavory connections to learn if these weapons were being fenced, and eventually being attacked by creatures of ice and snow before they were eventually able to strike. The fractal tower itself. On Aeonse, the festival of rebirth, as snow and hail frost waged war across Dwemer Hollow. Alistair Buchanan, Vargas, and Tira had fought Valiant. Their battles waged through the streets, and from the streets to the fairy estates of the Crowley family, which Medivin had inherited. And it was on those estates, at the base of the Fractal Tower, that they defeated Medivin. As such, the place where he fell, or at least where they vanquished his form at that time would eventually become known as Frost's Folly. They were celebrated that year, and for five years, they quietly watched, remembering, knowing that even though he had been defeated, no body had been found. Until in the year 939, amidst one of the darkest nights and most deepest snowstorms, a blizzard of unprecedented proportions, he appeared. And with it, he brought terror. They fought him again. This time, Alistair not only stopped him from returning to the Fractal Tower banished the Fractal Tower from its very anchor here, shunting it, casting it beyond the veil into death itself, so that the Frost King would not be able to use its power and the portals it possessed to bolster himself. But it came at a cost for both Tira and Vargas died. Vargas 
was able to recount a little bit more of the tale. For before Alistair disappeared, the last place he came was to their mausoleum, to their tomb. He said that though they had defeated Medivid again, that he was sure he would rise up, and that he was sure that Medivid hid within the bowels of the Dwemer Mount. That he hid within the very mountain. Alistair Buchanan vowed, vowed over the graves of his fallen companions, that he would avenge them, that he would seek out Medivid, the Frost King, banish him and destroy him for good. Vargas says, The spirits vowed that they would uphold a vigil, that they would watch for signs of the Frost King's return, and that they would warn the town folk if they did, if he did. But that they would go to their rest if Alistair died and were to pass into the lady's book. That they would go with him so long as his work was done. And he vowed that he would not leave this world until he could take Medivid with him. The fact that they have not passed on, that they have not seen Alistair's spirit, that they have not felt him on the other side, means that he is quite likely still alive. And that the Frost King is quite likely alive. No pressure, then. Just like three people passing to the afterlife. Is there any questions you have for him? Uh, okay, so the tower is monsters, and it's not in this reality. But I can still see it. What's up with that? Alistair shunted the tower so that it is still here, but at the same time not. Just as, and he gestures to himself, just as I am here, but not. It is anchored not in life, but in death. That why I can say it? Well, I don't bloody know. I don't even know who you are. Oh, I'm Faileth. Hello. I just heard Alistair's name. That's why I came. So you tell your life story to any weirdo that mentions Alistair McKellen. McClellan. McLean? McCleary. Buchanan. Buchanan? I thought it was an M. Not many people speak out his name. And no one's come to visit me in the past 24 years. Rude. Right. So if we see Alistair McCready. Buchanan. McCallan. McCannon. Um, I'll tell him that you're looking for. Because you want to kill him. Or you want to help him. Aleph. Or you... What? What? How did you retain so little of this ghost's story? I was listening. He's done a thing with his lady friends. And they vowed to help make... Make... Claylin. Buchanan. Buchanan. Yes, Mick Cannon. And 
there's monsters in the fractal tower and it's connected to death which is why i can see it and he's not a real ghost he's just hanging here in the balance and we're gonna help him move on when we find alexander mckinnon and stop the frosty keg indeed his chocolate is not to be believed no see i got all of that completely perfectly right indeed we should let quarry know what we have discovered right Okay, bye, Fergus. Fergus. Beer? Bye. He will salute Melian, and then he will go back to his rest. At the same time, he's muttering, Kids these days. That's weird. I've never had a ghost like someone better than me before. Uh, doesn't feel right. I couldn't perceive any of the other ghosts. I mean, I guess if I was going to have a ghostly rival, I'm glad it's you. I, uh, I hope never to have another ghost like me better than you, Fela. I mean, that's fair. Because then it would mean that you had weird ghost powers, and honestly, one of us is enough. I will admit it was deeply uncomfortable. Ah, he was pretty chill for a ghost. Did you not see his eyebrow fall off? Yeah, so. <sighs> yeah, you really don't see many ghosts. That is tame. You should see the ones that have been disemboweled. I knew a little girl who used her guts as a skipping rope. Melian was fine until you said little girl, and then he does that like hmm? but you don't like little girls <laughs> I am accustomed to the brutality of a battlefield but to hear of a child so blithely playing with their own oh entrails yeah like a skip rope perhaps we could discuss something else uh, we could dis- sure sure is good weather we've got here Anything but food. Well, because I'm hungry now, so... Well, as you guys continue your conversation, you will continue wandering a little bit until you see the brightly shining, very clean, heavily illuminated and reflective surfaces of Kawari's breastplate. Kawari! Melian tries very hard not to stare at her glimmering breastplate. Hello. We met a ghost who knows Alistair McCannon. Ah. And he says that it's all monsters in the fractal tower. (laughs) No. That's all there is in there? It's just monsters? No. And it's not in this world. It's in a different world, which is why I can see it all the time. Yes. And most people cannot. And also, the Frosty King and Axter McClannan... Ice King. ...had a big old fight. Buchanan. Frost King and... Ice King. And Axter McClannan had, like... Buchanan. ...a blowout fight, and the Fergus the Ghost... Fargus. ...was, like, on his side, and there was a lady one, too, but I didn't pay attention to her name because she looked really boring because she had the soul patch. Top Elven. And that's not because I'm upset about people who have the soul patch, because you know I love you, Corey, but also, it's, you know, church, whatever, you're the exception to the rule. So... Uh, oh, thank you. Girl with the soul patch and Fergus. Fergus. And Axter McClannan. Buchanan. Fought the Frost King. Ice King. And now they're trapped between life and death. But Ice King wasn't defeated. McClannan's probably... Buchanan. Alive. Uh-huh. Vowed that he would not shuffle this mortal coil until he defeated Buchanan. There's a thing we have to do to help them find their wrath. Defeat the Ice King. Uh-uh. Yeah. Frost King. I- Ice King. Ice King? Wasn't it the, like, Frost King? Frost 
Frost King. Frost King. Right. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> Melian shoots <laughs> Corey the most betrayed look, and then he crosses his arms. He's like, "Fine, you you know what? She's your she's yours now. <laughs> <laughs> you figure it out. Fine then." Oh uh, well, it seems like you've both gathered a great deal of information in my absence. It was really easy. We walked into this tomb. And Melian said, Axter McCracken. And then the ghost just told us its entire life story. Except it's not really a ghost because Melian could see it too and its eyebrow fell off. And also it liked Melian better than me for some reason. And I kind of figured it out. Its eyebrow fell off. Please let us not speak of the eyebrow again. Oh, yeah. Melian's not liking it. I told him about this little girl ghost I knew who like used her rope, oh. her intestines as a skip rope. And he did not like that. Oh. Ah. Uh, ooh. Um, uh, Maria. Dad disemboweled her one day, so, you know. Hey, no, uh, uh, thank you, Fail, thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, Melian. Yes, Paolo. They're not undead, are they? They're just ghosts that... Oh, they're absolutely dead, yeah. But not dead. So they're un... They're, they were never dead to begin with, so they can't be undead? Because you have to be dead to be undead. They're kind of like in a weird space between living and dead. Like, they're definitely dead. But they're also not dead because they can't be dead until extra um, Bucalan and um, dies too. So we must defeat the Frost King to release them from this world. Yeah, we gotta kill extra McLagan. No. Yes? Medivit Crowley, otherwise known as... I thought it was Ice King. No, I'm pretty sure it's Frost King. Frosty King. King of Frost. I seem to recall Frost King, but I could certainly... That's why it's called Frost's Folly. I remember that part. We named this place after him. Folly of the Frosty King. So it seems to me that we have more information on the third problem that faces us. What problem? Well... First, of course, is the children. Second... Yeah, but they're totally dead now. Oh, we failed them hard. It's over. Give up. I hope not. I hope you are... You live in a beautiful dream world, Corey. Well, be that as it may, I I hope that I am right. The last we saw them, they were alive, and the letter says ritual has yet to begin. Indeed. I mean, we've never seen them. Well, Jovan did. Jovan did. Allegedly. When did you become such a cynic, Fela? Oh, I don't know. Yes? I don't actually know. It's been a really long week, month, life. Oh, Faelof. Who knows? Orders of business. Uh, We must go to the council chamber and then tell them, warn them what we can. uh, Speak with the princess. Ah, the lady Anna. Corey looks around furtively. (laughs) Um, And Faelof's good mood just even evaporates into the air. Oh, no. Indeed. The Lady Anna has need of our aid in the ca- in the council chamber. Oh, does the Lady Anna need her aid in the council chamber? Yes. We should make our make our way there. But- oh, we should totally go save the Lady... You, you're right, Faith. We should help her. Great idea. I love that for us. Good. I'm glad you're in agreement. Yeah, very much so. There seems to be something caught in your throat, Philip. Oh, 
could it be? I have no idea. Perhaps you would like me to pat you on the back. No. Get whatever it is dislodged from your throat. This is, seems to be causing your voice to... Don't touch me. ...ripple un, unintentionally in ways that make it seem as if you do not wish to help the Lady Anna. Oh my god, is that what's the thing stuck in my throat is doing? Oh no, I better drink some water to get it ah. Yes, it sounds like water is a good plan. Come on, Veth. What what happened to Marsh again? <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot. Did he go with Kuari or did he go with Melly and <laughs> He certainly didn't go with us. You guys left him drinking at Hime's hospitality. Excellent. Good, good. Yes, we did. Nice. Good work, us. Perhaps we should retrieve Marsh and then head toward the council chamber now. Yes. That sounds like such a good idea. And once we have finished our business there, we can hopefully, uh, depending on the time, seek the remainder of the information that we require in order to locate the children. Indeed. Faileth, I am appreciating your enthusiasm for this plan, even if the frog in your throat is causing you to sound odd. So excited. Excellent. Can't wait. Love the princess. Would you like to ride on my shoulders? Yes. Uh, perhaps on the way you'll tell me more of what you learned about this Medivid and where we might find him and how we might defeat him. Pretty sure I told you all the things that we know. It, it was quite the tale. I do believe failed somewhat inaccurately most of the high points. Yeah, like always, that didn't give us anything, you know, concrete that we could, like, make an actionable plan on. I'm very much appreciating, Fela, your new found desire to come up with concrete plans and your enthusiasm for executing them. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little tired of the crypticness, which I know is a crazy thing for me to say because I talk to ghosts, but to be honest, I've had a couple of confrontations with my mother lately, and she's been, you know, driving me absolutely bonkers, and then we've had a couple of emotional breakdowns, and I'm feeling really vulnerable right now, and I don't really want to talk about it, so let's go. Oh, Taylor. And so we go and retrieve Marsh. Well, with that, you guys will go. You'll retrieve Marsh. And you will head towards the council chamber. And as you guys arrive outside the council chamber, out on the main plaza, outside the Hall of Justice, why don't we end there for tonight's session? Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe for future episodes, rate us where you get your podcast, and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can write us at dm at rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Purple Planet Music, and Arcane Anthems. Full credits are in the episode description. Necromancy! (laughs) I think you mean necromancy.
Oh, boy. Oh. I thought I'd done well. <laughs> Natural 17 up in here. Oh, no, that means I have to go first. Yep. yep. Sasha, then Brian, then Allie. Ah, uh, one. So what? <laughs> I meant it was a win. No, cat, no. <laughs> I really thought you were about to be like, no, Cass, no. No. Because <laughs> the way you drew out cat. It's Bella. <laughs> yeah, am I going in the wrong direction? I thought that this was what we agreed. No, you're fine. It's cat. Look, I love you too, Bells, but. I was muted, excuse oh. <laughs> Happens. I. You will get something that Melian would like to eat. My brain's not really functioning right there. Yeah, it's reasonable. Bacon. No, I have to cook it. I'm just waiting for you guys. Oh. <laughs> okay, I press, I press record. This is evident of just like how we're all super with it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brain's firing on all cylinders, obviously. Obviously. That wouldn't be left and right. That'd be like left and forward or whatever. Is it at an angle, like northwest and... I'm just teasing him. It can be north and... It's his world. Who now I'm quickly trying to remember what the, what did the heck I named him? Uh Nope. Don't didn't write it down. That's great. I mean I absolutely didn't write it down. Sasha, if you're saying anything, you're probably muted. I think you're muted. Well, darn it, I had such quippy things. I was wondering why no one was responding to my witty commentary. Oh, you're still here, are you? Read the episode description, eh? You want to know what the princess was getting up to? Well, you're in luck, and she's not in league with the moon! Two figures, obscured by riding cloaks, quickly moved through the alleyways of the Skagate district. The figures... One larger and bulkier, their armor only barely concealed by their riding cloak, and the other, thinner and shorter by at least a handspan than their companion, did not draw attention, blending in with crowds, avoiding those that bore noble colors or heraldry, until they arrived at a rather innocuous building. A small home, one that had been leased some few weeks prior through a quiet exchange of coins. And so it was that the bulkier cloaked figure did bang the pommel of his sword against the door, notifying the occupant. And it is here, at this point, that we shall begin. For you hear a rap-tap tapping on your door, and it seems that someone has come calling. Andre, for the past three weeks you have lived in this small home, with barely enough space for you, just really a bed and a desk. You were sent to Dwemerhollow when word first arrived in the royal capital that things were amiss, and here you have stayed, quietly watching, and gathering information pertinent to the order of the commons and the Westmarkian monarchy 
what are you currently doing at home? He currently, he was jotting down some notes from the day, uh, still kind of in his more commoner clothes uh, in the chair. And when he hears the knock, he looks at my and then grabs his mace before moving over. As you open the door, you are greeted by two visages. The first, the one that takes up the foreground, is of a cloaked figure wearing armor that you recognize almost immediately. He has his hood up, but he is not wearing his helm, and you recognize the figure as Fulgrim Tanather, the champion of the fourth princess. And looking just past him, you see at the bottom of the stair another figure. This one, a young woman with chestnut brown hair of shoulder length and fair of face, with eyes the color of loam, an individual you recognize immediately as Her Highness Princess Anna Maria Jimena Marcanelia, fourth princess of Westmark. Good evening. Come on in quick. They quickly come in and slowly move up to your small room. Looking about, they're quiet. And then once the door is closed, Anna throws back her hood and looks at you and says, I'm glad to see that you've settled in, Captain Thomason. Do you have anything to report? Quite a few things, actually. And he'll flip through the book. Seems there's been some disturbances. Um, We'll start with kind of the big one. Uh, The magistrate has been killed. It was highly unusual. It seemed the healers couldn't save him from whatever was there. I couldn't get too much more closer. But I have a sneaky suspicion someone from the staff was making sure he stayed dead. He'll flip a couple more pages. Murder. You're sure of it? Fairly confident, my lady. That confirms some other things that I've heard. Please continue. As you wish. The next thing involved an incident. I wasn't there to witness it, but from what I was able to gather as I walked there, there was a scuffle with uh, some chaos that happened. I'll address that later. Seemed like a bunch of arrows, or an arrow was broken, and something that the citizens described as monstrous. Water is vapor. There's spirits. Various reports erupted from the arrowhead and escaped. No one was injured much, thankfully, but I've not been able to track down this entity that's supposedly running in the city. You say a small creature of steam or of of water vapor? Highly plausible. Most of the citizens assumed it was some spirit. So steam or water vapor would make sense. It was in broad daylight. That confirms another one. Before you continue, let me explain. And the princess, she sort of begins to pace back and forth as she speaks. Fulgrim, while this conversation has been going on, has taken up position over by the door, making sure that anyone that might be coming closer or might be wandering by doesn't eavesdrop. As you know, we went ahead of the battalion. Thus, it was easier and safer to travel incognito. While traveling, I met a few individuals. A young half-elven girl 
by the name of Faleth. A half-elfin man by the name of Melian, and a Goliath by the name of Quarry, a paladin of soul, and she will give you brief descriptions of each of them. While traveling, they deduced my identity and brought forward information that they themselves had been gathering on behalf of Lord Preston Buchanan, information that greatly troubled me such as swords containing creatures of ice and steam, of bandits in the woods tied with disgruntled nobles and disgraced knights, of a threat, perhaps poisoning, of the High Magistrate, and of a greater threat, of a series of kidnappings across the city, being conducted ritualistically, taking children for some unknown but powerful ending. And that behind it, or at least behind a portion of it, sits the disgraced knight Sir Gerard and my sister, Iran. I need to get word back to the battalion so that they can send word back to the royal capital. But Iran must be watched carefully. I fear for my mother's life. What you've said has confirmed some of what our companions on the road spoke of. I fear that I will in due time need to take much more drastic measures than I expected, that I must take control of this city. Your time here has been twofold, as you know. The first, which you do know, is that while you've been gathering information here, it has also been to have you settle down so that you can assume command of the guards here, as befits a captain in the Order of the Commons. The second, though, which I feel is a much more pressing, is that... I wish for you to assert my authority and to wield it on behalf of these individuals I have just spoken of. I have asked them to come to the council chambers this afternoon and that I will view the council while they speak. That way I can determine who is friend and who is foe, who bears true allegiance to the crown and who will bend the knee to another master, or who seeks to gain from this chaos. I know that I am asking you a great deal to send you with them, and I know this is a great deal to ask, because it will put you in danger. They seek to stop the foul plots that spin here. They seek first to save the children to stop whatever arcane magic is at work. And then they plan to stop Sir Jared and whatever entity has placed these creatures into these weapons. I can only hope that you will agree to this, but I will not order it. I know that you have a family, and I would not wish to order you into a situation that may spell your death. Will you do this for me? As in fulfillment of the oath I took many years ago, of course, my lady. You need only to ask, and he'll bow. Then, once we have finished here, once you have provided more information to me, and once I have utilized your sending stones to contact the battalion, then we will make our way to the council chamber. 
I would have you at my side, for if anything goes wrong there, I know that both you and Fulgrim will protect me, but that you, an individual who knows what is going on here, might also glean further insights. Thank you. Now please, tell me everything you know, and I hope that you've received word from the battalion. They will be needed soon. I have, my lady. Unfortunately, they're being delayed. Ambush attacks by the bandits. And, oddly enough, monsters. The general has said that they're acting very weird. Almost like coordinated attacks, but that seems absurd. The reality is they're probably not going to be here, at least for a week. And that's assuming there's not any other surprises. The look that passes over the princess's face is one of concern. For now, she realizes that she has come to Dwemer Hollow, and that coming ahead did provide her the anonymity and the safety to reach it without much issue, but that without the aid of the battalion behind her, defense of this city and controlling it may not be possible.